in Savitri, we see Savitri's journey as she undertakes to go within to discover her secret soul. And as she begins to enter, Shurabindo gives us an overview of what is this realm, what is the world of the soul in which she is entering. And there is a remarkable passage there where he writes, it's a long passage, man's house of life holds not the gods alone. Man holds dangerous forces in his house. The titan and the fury and the jinn lie bound in his subconscious caven pit and the beast growls in his antedin. That's why uh, it's very interesting that uh, while very often we see in, uh, in modern the, the tendency, you know, to make yoga a mass movement and uh, people come and, you know, they learn a technique and some exercises and they feel they are on the path of yoga. But it's not as simple as that. There is a reason why the Vedic Rishis, um, uh, you know, wrapped up the truth around so many secrets in, in mysteries. At one place, Sri says that the soul is a world of numerous beings. Uh, it's a battlefield where forces clash there are beings who harm and beings who help in the progress of the soul. Every beautiful thought, uplifting thought is like a bird that climbs towards the heights. The life is like a luminous steed that carries it on the journey. That's why uh, very often in, in more modern language, uh, I use the word that... Um, or rather the phrase that yoga takes place in real time. It's not a technique. Techniques are all right, helpful, but it's, it's real time. Because uh, the moment, in the beginning there is the yoga fire and some central part gets touched. But the moment it spreads, it begins to illumine and uncover layers after layers, layers after layers. Many of which we are totally unconscious. And that is the reason sometimes when we speak about adverse forces and hostile forces, uh, which is so real to the journey of the soul. Anyone who has traveled the path, even a little, encounters them. Seems so unreal, almost a fallback to superstition. Sometimes people have asked me that, you know, do they really exist? <laughs> well, uh, I am not going into its details, but if there is a question, we can take it up. But it's true that even modern scientific understanding is turning towards it, but through a strange door, the paranormal, which is full of all kinds of things. But very logically, leave aside those phenomena, very logically, we know that matter is not what it seems. There are countless forces that create even a material structure. We don't see them, but they are there acting upon any given point of time upon matter, upon objects, upon solid things. Similarly, it's reasonable to presume that behind man's complex psychological apparatus movements, there stand a host of forces that determine what we think, how we think, we feel, act uh, from all around the cosmos. Very similarly. So how can we know about them? Well, if one has occult vision, it's a different matter, but we are not talking of that. 
that's a capacity and some people are blessed with it but we can know about it just as we know about matter that if an object is falling to the ground there is a force of gravity acting by the effects similarly we can know about their action their influence by the effects that they create upon the human consciousness and these effects have been very well studied and it's not only today they've been known since antiquity you know we have uh, children we grew up uh, playing ludo and snakes and ladders uh, at least in india it's a very popular game very few people know that ludo and snakes and ladders were actually initially spiritual games snakes and ladders ladder was discovered or created by a saint 13th century saint called gyanadev and uh, the the game was called mokshapat so how you arrive at moksha of course it's not just moksha because the figure of 100 actually means perfection how you arrive at perfection you have various challenges you have sudden unexpected helps and you rise up you have you know and and you are the traveler identified with the game actually that's why you can any time call call it up but you are identified with the game and the dice is fate means all the forces that are acting at given point of time and the ladder is forces that help you go go up and the snakes are those which bring us pull us down it's a very ancient knowledge and uh, shobindran the mother have elaborated upon it very much um, when shobindra was asked do they exist shobindra replies to nirod baran what do you mean do they exist it's known wherever there is a yagna these forces come sometimes they are given very picturesque form grotesque form that is a part of human imagination that the rakshasa is coming and pouring uh, all kinds of things on the yagya fire to extinguish it but inwardly it is a truth that when the fire lights up and begins to spread these forces rush in we before we know that we are on the path <laughs> they know it shobindra speaks of it wherever there is the caravan of light they intervene they are aware they they see that little fire in the little tent of house tent of matter and the russian to occupy the space both shobindra and the mother remind us because people used to ask i was making such a good progress what happened suddenly i am down with a bout of depression <laughs> or i have hurt injured myself and they would say precisely when you are making a progress precisely when you you have probably made a progress they come and why do they come they have a function that's why they are there in any good uh, factory where you know you want to have six sigma perfection so what happens is that there are people who are meant to test you know good wine there are connoisseurs who have to taste and say this is good this can pass and there are many more rejections they put it aside so there are such beings who actually in the end end up building perfection that that's uh, the paradox about it they have a function to serve but we need to understand their play because sometimes in the process we can break down many things can happen um, they as shubhendra says clap a whole himalaya in front where there is just a little hill to cross uh, so their ultimate purpose is they are actually in their origin instrument of sincerity Uh, the mother has used the word sensors they are meant to keep aligning us back to the goal but they do it in a very strange way by seemingly deviating us from the goal we have taken a wrong turn and they 
take us further and further. And it's a dangerous way. They, they are not good teachers, but in ignorance, well, they are there, they have their own place. So, how do they operate? Well, the soul is immune from them. They cannot touch the soul. They know it very well. So, what do they touch? They touch the instruments of the soul. The dark field, the field of ignorant nature. So, they will touch the mind. They will touch the vital, the life impulse in us. They will touch the emotional cords, freight. So, where there is love, people suddenly there is hatred, bitterness, quarrel, anger, all kinds of things. Similarly, they will touch the impulses and we can confuse the impulsions from these beings for the true impulsion. There are strange instances. Somebody would, uh, and very often Shobindra and the mother used to send them away from this intense force field. That's why um, here the, the chances are even greater of losing the balance. That's why balance is so important. Mother speaks about it. And when people had a breakdown, they were sent away very often to uh, be away from this intense field. So we have interesting correspondence. There is a person called Tirupati. He is meant to embody faith, one of the four pillars. And he has a breakdown. It can happen to anyone. Uh, so he sends a telegram to Shirobindo that I am coming to Pondicherry. And Shirobindo sends back that no, don't come. And he says, no, no, no. Uh, my inner voice has told me that I must come. You are calling me. So Shirobindo sends a telegram. No, I myself am telling you not to come. Then, back and forth telegram. I know you are testing me. Outwardly you are telling me not to come, but inwardly you are coaxing me to come. Now, you know, what do you do in such a situation? So, Shivinda had to then write to the family and other. He arranged for his stay there and nothing is eventually lost. But they, they create big challenges. So that's why it's not just a question of learning a technique and doing some meditation and having some experiences, uh, some visions or voices or having some feelings, some energy, etc. Yoga is much more profound, much more vaster. And these are very small things. It's like scratching the surface. The real journey begins when we really enter into the deeper penetralias of our existence. What do we find there? We find... All these energies and they are so real to the world of the soul. So in the mind they act by very, in various ways and it's good to know how they act. One of them is suggestions. So one characteristic suggestion with which many people in the ashram context used to be plagued with is the sense of unfitness. I am unfit for the yoga. And Shubhindu would say when mother has told you to come, why you are entertaining no, no, I am unfit. One small defect, one small difficulty or big difficulty and always Shubhindu would remind us that look, there is the grace, don't look at the difficulty, but I am unfit. Unworthiness, I am no good. I am, you know, then still worse, guilt saps away the entire energy. I am a sinner. I am, you know, this whole approach that I am a sinner, Shubhindu and the mother have just put it aside. It's the work of the adversary. And he gives us a very nice way. He says, if you fall, get up, brush your pants and walk. That's it. Doesn't matter. So somebody would say, what if I fall thousand times? Mother, mother tells us, get up thousand and one times. <laughs> what, is the, what, what else can you do? Because that's the goal you have chosen. It's inevitable in the process that there will be some, uh, many times one has to touch the soil. 
And why one has to touch the soil? She explains very beautifully because uh, little power, little knowledge, uh, you know, very often people say little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Now, it's a dangerous thing for others later. It's a dangerous thing for oneself because, you know, one may get puffed up and think, ah, I am some great being. I am some yogi. I am some guru, swami. See, it's so easy to become guru. And to touch base, look, don't do that. They bring humility by this constant, repeated fall. Somebody, that's why Shubhinda says, never walk under the banner of someone who has never failed because he does not know what life is, he does not know what yoga is, he does not know the totality of existence, go through it. So they put us back to Mother Earth, touch base. So they have this purpose. Nevertheless, these suggestions come and we should not start feeling guilty or unworthy about it, but summon up a greater sincerity, more sincerity, more one-pointedness. What does one do if there is darkness? One lights the fire a little more intense. That's what one has to do. One detects, well, this is a part which is not in tune with my central aspiration, tries to align it. It's difficult. Yes, it's difficult. No doubt about it. But that's the challenge we are here to undertake. Why else are we here? It is difficult. We are not here to do easy things. Even normal life is not an easy life. So we have to align. So they show us where things are not aligned. So in the mind, they can take these uh, kind of suggestions and Sometimes they can actually in their extreme form disrupt the thought sequences, disrupt the feelings, disconnect the whole apparatus so that feelings and thoughts get disconnected. Within the thought there is a disconnection, in the will and the impulse there is a disconnection and we know what um, technical illness we are speaking about. I am not uh, referring any names because, well, these are labels. But what really happens is if we allow them to act, a black confusion in the brain where even things which are so obvious, they put a blinder and we are not able to see. There are so many instances, you know, um, I know one instance where someone saw Krishna and oh, before that, he writes to mother and says, I want to start taking classes on life divine. And mother said, no. Actually, the telegram didn't come and then Next telegram followed after a few days. He says, I have seen Krishna and he has given me permission to start life divine classes. So mother writes back, urgent telegram, tell him he has not seen Krishna. He has seen a hostile being. And he, he should not be starting. But he didn't trust it. He started. You know, That's why one has to be so careful. If work, whether it's really given or not given. Uh, even gurus, she used to, she would tell us to be so careful. There was a person who called they, they can wear so many masks of deception. The worst mask is uh, twofold. One is these forces can completely oppose the divine. They revolt. They are hostile to the divine and his work and his purpose. Or still worse, the worst form is when they imitate the divine. They imitate the one whom they inwardly deny. And that's a very dangerous mask because it's so difficult to detect. We are so much carried away by anybody who is wearing a, uh, you know, sannyasi's robe. Uh, some of these can be great ascetics. You have been though three, four places he mentioned. Some of the asuras are very ascetic, very hard, very rigid, uh, stone-like. And they impose this asceticism on everybody around. 
So one has to be so careful. One cannot detect them simply by seeing how, counting how many times he is going to the church or the temple or inside a place. It's not, none of these things are markers. Markers are something very inside, which is so difficult for human beings to see. So they can create these kind of disorders in the brain. They can attack the vital uh, emotions. They can completely either make the whole emotional energy fall down, 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 and one, the whole emotional energy gets turned into oneself, and one begins to wonder whether anybody loves me or understands me. Uh, they would write to mother, mother, you don't love me. There is a very interesting instance of a lady. Uh, you see, see this just to understand how how dangerous they can be. So mother gave her a lot of love and you know uh, she has a lot of intimate connection incidentally with the Savitri Bhavan. So um, she was, uh, I mean she's no more. So she was, she was given some rose, white rose by the mother. So she threw the rose there. Can we imagine? And she says, Mother, I don't love you. You don't love me. I am going away from here. And she threw the rose and went away, started packing things. She used to go into these fits time and again. So mother sends Vasudha Ben all the way to her and tells her, Vasudha Ben says, mother has sent you a card. So, okay, okay, I don't want to see, keep it there. No, no, mother has given a message also. Do you want to hear it? Okay, you say what you have to say. Mother has said, you know what mother told me? Once you turned away, mother said, she does not know how much love she has in her heart for me. Mother is not even saying that she loves. Of course she loves. Sometimes she have been those one-liners. Base your life on this one single fact that the mother loves you. That's all. So, she says, she was so much touched with that gesture. I have love in my heart for mother and mother is able to see it. Even though I have thrown the white rose, she unpacks. Of course, she stayed on. So these forces, and in fact, the closer we come, the more intense their attack. The more the possibility, the greater they attack the seeker. Um, at one place, mother says, these forces, because they cannot attack me, they attack those who are very close to me, especially those who have love for me. Because here is, they know that these people who love the divine are dangerous fellows. They, they, we may call them mad, but they are really capable of bringing into this world something which she calls as a fine powder of delight, which is uh, ultimate power of transformation is with love and delight. So they attack. So they would do this to the emotions. Then depression in the vital, for no reason at all. Even depression is not justified even if there is a reason. Because after all, what is life? It's a challenge and one has to take it. That's it. If for, leave aside yoga. In normal life, what do we do? When there is a challenge, we face it. We, we equip ourselves. We go past it. We, we equip in terms of knowledge, power, will and take it. That's what life is about. And through these challenges, we grow. Depression is a very illogical thing. But they, they attack and then there is depression. There are periods and uh, many sadhaks undergo. Shobindu at one point says, I myself had to undergo for almost six months. Because they bring in tamas, they bring in fatigue and uh, so on and so forth. So depression is another common mode and this depression can go on to despair, despondency and eventually they push the person through one suggestion, strong suggestion. You are no good, your life is wasted, 
the divine does not love you and there is no hope for you so they they are called in the vedas as those who steal so what do they steal they they first try to attack then if we allow them to enter then they will steal the will not steal as in s t e e l but steal as in s t e e l so they will steal the will so one feels no i can't do anything i am really not good i i really i can't meditate i can't read i can't walk this path so they will steal the will then next if you allow them to steal the will then faith they'll come and attack the faith because these are the two strong sentinels of the soul they want to enter somehow and then when they go past then there is a slender small little being near the soul who resists for a long time and that is hope hope is the last thing they like to slay and the moment hope is gone then they push in the idea of suicide kill yourself this life is not worth it even ashram people were it used to circulate as if when shubhendu would say see it circulates first <laughs> these people will have then these people then they some people actually completed it we are talking of 24th april i think 24th april there was actually a, you know this just before that and um, incidentally the mother has said 24th april is the day of victory over the adverse forces and just a day before or on that day there was a suicide somebody actually completed it so this is a real battle it's, it's not just like i just learn how to meditate and start living there are challenges one has to face and these forces are allowed so they can attack the vital and bring in despair despondency doubt in the mind with repeated experience and then one doubt so very often people say i don't know whether i imagined or are start with this premise you experience something whether it's imagination or not is not the issue the experience is real understanding of the experience can come later yes we need to understand we need to grow in knowledge but we can't start with the premise of doubt shubhendu says that even if i write long letters still the doubt can remain it's an attack from these forces and then finally if they don't succeed there they attack the body many illnesses which we regarded as illnesses and deal right now through medication are nothing but attacks of the adverse forces and this is a very simple proof those who are conscious of the night can actually trace back what happened at night one has actually seen something very often when uh, you you somehow prevent the body from the attacks they still lurk in the subconscious part and they wait for the right moment and the right moment is night fatigued bored lying down in a helpless state and they find an entry so one wonders night is was so nice i went to sleep so nicely what happened in the morning i am down i just feel down for no reason or my throat is bad etc etc because that's the time night is when they gain power that's why in all literature we see even physical night has this effect on these beings they gain strength from that and equally with the advent of light increase of light their energies begin to get dissipated so almost sounds like a hollywood movie well it's a real thing that happens uh, within the consciousness of um, you know when we undertake this journey so uh, if these are the attacks then sometimes this goes still further and there are influences so attacks is one thing they come and we can recognize we can repel them but influence means that we begin to become uh, 
no, it's not mine, yeah. <laughs> so, so influences are where they actually begin to use a human being as their instrument and spokesperson. And that's very dangerous. They will use all kinds of means. One of the common, when, you know, justifying things which are dangerous to yoga. And these beings can actually begin to influence. And there are people who become their spokesperson. Next level after the influence, when attacks, then influence. And then they have, next level is actually incarnation of these forces. Or even before that, temporary possessions, what is called as Caesars. They try to uh, take hold and there is a resistance, so there is a Caesar. At one place, somebody asked Sri Aurobindo that, is it really true? Uh, is it a possibility? He says, no, it's not a possibility. I actually know it. Caesar is a temporary possession by these forces. And there may be genuinely problem with the heredity, problem something in the constitution which may open the doors. The doors are open through many ways. And these forces can attack and there is a resistance, there is a seizure. Or worse still, they can actually possess. And when they possess, the, we know it's described in Savitri, there can come a point where uh, the soul departs because they cannot really do anything to the soul. And the psychic feels that no, it's no more possible in this body. The soul departs. And the body is left like a wandering shell. A body and mind are left to wander and die. They become repository of these forces. So all these extreme possibilities and there is still one more which is the worst form and that is the actual incarnation of these forces. We know Hitler, Stalin, there are beings who are actually incarnation. They are totally in sync with that and it happens when the psychic is very, very, very little developed. Hardly anything, just a little spark. And then these forces can actually incarnate in these beings. So there are so many um, levels and so many types of action. But let's not take you know, into account that. Let the, the important thing is to be aware. And to be aware, one of the first things that the mother says, that there are examiners in this yoga. And these examiners, um, see how this yoga proceeds. It doesn't proceed by uh, just a taught method sitting half an hour or one hour for meditation. There are examiners who will see whether our resolve is true or not. And she says there are three kinds of examiners. There is the examination by spiritual and divine forces. The Vedas are full of them. So what they will do? They will offer us some nice seat. Plum post as they say. Okay, you can become a Swami, a Guru, you know. You will be revered and regarded. People will bow down at you. It's a plumb position, not realizing they have dug a deep well and they have fixed you there, stopped progressing. This is one way. Second is that they attack through, uh, there is the challenges by universal nature. Universal nature is what? Universal nature is everything that we call as me, myself. So these forces, as long as we are living life normally and ordinarily, in, the, in, in a certain sense of the word, they are fine. We are comfortable with them, they are comfortable with us. But the moment we try to overpass them, they say, no, 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 I, what do you mean? It's not possible. You can't conquer, you can't say that, you know, ambition is not necessary, desire is not necessary. Once, uh, long back, maybe 20 years back, in one of the camps in Nanital, one elderly lady told me, said, Alok bhai, your talks are all very fine, but please don't say such things that I have to conquer my desires. How can I do it? I said, but then there is no yoga without it. 
if we are not ready for it then we are just not ready for it it can't be you know you can't sell a uh, false product you know that's what mother and shivin at some point it's not that it has to be done immediately or it can be done immediately there's a whole process and we are not talking about the process right now but one has to know what is to be done if we don't know what is to be done then we'll just be you know leading a life like anyone else so that's where these forces anger so normally in ordinary life becomes a big obstacle they are forces of nature then uh, greed jealousies this is the hatred this is the thing of which normal life is made up of deception lying slander criticism people take great joy in parninda but when we take to yoga it can become dangerous at one place mother says uh, this habit of malicious gossip especially when it is done with words which are uh, of a very crude and vulgar kind she says it's like committing spiritual suicide if we indulge in that kind of thing so these forces are just looking watching out for these instrument who can become their spokesperson so this is uh, universal nature then there are adverse and hostile forces they are of course by far the most dangerous and they act by bringing in state of denial no there is no divine it's all nonsense so we'll see that much of world lives in siege of these forces fair enough it's it's uh, everybody's business Uh, there is no divine uh, all these experiences they are all you know hallucinations uh, who knows whether it's there or not okay shobindo is written but how do i believe that what he has written is true it can go to any extent doubts denial etc despair as we have seen uh, dark confusion all this is an action of these hostile turning away from the spiritual possibility turning away from the divine light turning one's back to grace even doubting the grace doubting the love so this is the way they act they shubindo makes a subtle distinction between the adverse and the hostile forces adverse forces press upon nature and act through nature and it they exaggerate a difficulty there is some difficulty but they will make it appear it's insurmountable let's say the sexual impulse or anger so they'll make it appear as if it's beyond Uh, i just cannot deal with it what they are doing they are pressing upon it they start pressing upon impulses they they know all our anatomy very well you know we may not know but they know which part of the brain reptilian brain because they have all matter is evolved under the pressure of uh, these forces so they know exactly where to press they will enter press the switch and you develop the impulse to be angry and if one has not learned how to um, step back how to discriminate then one flows with it later on they make it worse by saying see feel guilty you are no good i told you you are unworthy for yoga making it still worse and then the third thought they will bring in it making the final assault look mother's grace cannot be with you she cannot love you how can she love such a sinner now this is their final weapon once we know we should detect them and discard them so for each level she says how to deal with these for adverse and hostile forces he gives three things sincerity vigilance and humility humility is a big safeguard because they are on the lookout the moment you say puffed up boasting she would always say don't boast ah i had this wonderful experience or even sometime you know mother did this to me mother was very close to me we don't know she is close to everyone who can say that divine is closer to whom and further from whom of whom the isha upanishad says 
tadejati tannejati taddure taduvantike he who is far he who is near he who is boundless vast and he who is the smallest of the small he who is within he who is without who can say whom the divine is close to is close to everyone we put a veil between us and the divine and we close the doors our doors to grace so this is where we need to be humble to know that there is nothing before the infinite divine no power can stand before the power of the divine mother nothing can stand that there is the divine love which is carrying us to know that whatever we may know how much ever we may speak whatever we may have read whatever our experiences we are nothing before her infinity so this is humility humility is not a false projection before others going down and saying you know i am nothing that <laughs> i am a sinner that that's you know that's sometimes the action of the hostiles to deceive others many people do false humility to deceive to create an image you see how they will work dissimulation show and sham these are their characteristic ways deceiving others and deceiving oneself which is worse then the other thing she says is vigilance so vigilance means you have to detect before even they have entered one of the ways they uh, their action can be felt if one is very vigilant is little restlessness some kind of a excitement or restlessness or a little wave of sadness tinge of sadness should be thrown out <laughs> and that's why they say cheerfulness is so necessary sometimes good to read a just a joke book a healthy joke book it's it's so nice <laughs> shobindo's humor it's an antidote i mean this they just come like a wave sometimes just a little restless one doesn't know what's happening in the tummy little fear these things open the door and if we allow it then it takes a big form as shobindo says clap a whole himalaya so we must counter them with their opposites fear bring in faith what can harm and what is harm when the journey is being carried by her so fear is countered by faith restlessness by peace peace quietude calm equanimity endurance these are wonderful ways to create a cushion armor and a buffer against these forces so they they cannot enter equanimity is so important Uh, how beautifully shobindo's beautiful poem divine work divine worker and there he says uh, no power can slay my soul it lives in thee thy presence is my immortality so to live with the sense of the divine surrounding one the sense of the divine within one it does not mean we have to see hostile forces vigilance is not that we start detecting hostile forces in everyone no we have to know they exist be careful but to think of the divine to live in the sense of the divine to be surrounded by the divine this is the safety on the path and the third thing he says and that's a real function sincerity and sincerity in one word means one pointedness the fact is if you look within ourselves we are far from being one pointed we are many many directions all kinds of things it's natural but we should know that we have to become one pointed the direction is to gather all these energies and turn them into a bonfire you know that's what i think oroville fire ceremony means to put in all the energies and create a bonfire inside and everything that we offer it becomes a bonfire so one of the ways that mother tells uh, reveals to us is that every time you discover something which is like the anti divine 
Don't try to put on a mask of virtuosity or look like a pious person or try to walk among the holy. That's not the way. That is just the opposite. It is a kind of self-delusional aggrandizement. See, I don't keep company of these people. Not, not like that. Of course, one, it doesn't mean one freely mixes with anyone. There are beings whose influence is not healthy, but that apart. What is important is, he says, share your, take your own burden of the anti-divine and offer it to the purifying flame. So we have to keep offering it till, till the thing gets purified. It's a long process, probably through a couple of lives, but let's not think of another life. Definitely it takes a couple of decades for that purification to take place and then one is ready. So purity is, in the true sense of the word, purity is not moral purity. Moral purity is a cover-up. It's a sham. People who try to be morally very pure are inside in their private lives absolutely the opposite. But there is another kind of purity. It's a childlike purity which comes by offering everything to the divine and he burns it away layer by layer, step by step. So sincerity to become one-pointed. But the final thing which, uh, you know, with which we can stop is a big subject. But the final thing which the mother uh, and Shubhindu both tell us is about uh, love, divine love. It has the power of transformation. One of the biggest safety on the path, if we have that, these hostile forces, they see, they try to, but they remain arms away. And that is oneness, divine love, devotion, faith, surrender. The moment we do it, they try to come, but they cannot because then the divine takes charge of our journey and takes charge of our destiny. So to repeatedly remind us that my life is for you, devotion, faith, surrender. Shubhinda says it's like a big shield because if I want to do yoga by my effort, all right, divine allows us the freedom. But then we have to face them with our effort because that is our faith. Our faith, we want to undertake the journey that way. Cool. But if you say that we want to undertake the journey with you holding me close to your heart, you'll say, all right, that's your choice. And when we make that choice, we may go through an entire Mahabharata but because there is the divine seated with us on the chariot, nothing will touch us. Even the shrapnels of the world, the criticisms, the hostile attacks, calumnies, all kinds of slander, gossip, hundred things may happen but nothing will touch us. Because he is seated, he is carrying the chariot of life. So divine love and a very simple thing which, um, rather two things, um, the simplest thing which I often suggest because that's what Savitri reveals to us that who is safe only where safe who kept God in their hearts. A prayer upon the lips and the great name. Just calling mother's name. Uh, I cannot, uh, in, with all my experience of some 30 odd years dealing with uh, people who are going through psychological difficulties of various kinds and seeing them both from the conventional medical standpoint and the yogic standpoint. I have no doubt that these forces exist and they are very, very cunning. Equally, I have no doubt and I have never seen anything more powerful than the mother's name. Unfortunately, very often when people come, they are not even in a state to do that. That is the tragedy. So in that case, what is to be done? I simply tell the attendant, somebody who is very close, maybe the mother of a child or uh, you know, the husband, the spouse, the friend, that please pray to the divine 
and take mother's name in the presence of this person. So, put mother's music and I, very interesting responses. If I do anything like that, if I put mother's picture, they turn it away. I have seen sometimes one of the first signs, anything to do with the divine, there is a reaction, hostility. I have seen a person who actually developed, uh, I mean, quite a few, but one which I instantly remembered. The first sign was, he said, when I look at mother, I feel so afraid. So he used to turn the calendar back. And I knew this is going to trip over and tripped over very badly. So they don't want. So what do we do? So I, I tell them, see, these forces are very cunning and deceptive. So you have to <laughs> play with them on their own terms. So what do you do? I, I, I often recommend play Savitri or play Mother's Music. Put the volume at zero. <laughs> so <laughs> the vibrations are still going in the atmosphere. I tell you it, it works. I am not saying people get cured overnight of schizophrenia, but it works. It brings quietude. The people become more accepting. They begin to accept even going to a therapist or taking help. Uh, sometimes that, you know, take mother's name in the atmosphere. Idol is the person. And this is something Shurabindo has uh, recommended, someone who was having Caesars. And Shurabindo says, since he is fond of you, he is telling the father that since he is open to you, you sit near the child, hold his hand and you call me. You call me, hold his hand. What simple practical ways. Uh, and of course, the last bit which I said, the second thing is, don't neglect matter. There are doors in matter through which they enter. Matter is their chosen field. They have, uh, they know all the nooks and crannies. And that's one reason why, if there is tamas, fatigue, they will find an easy access. We would have noticed that when we overtire ourselves, when the nerves are frayed, how depression comes in. So not to neglect matter, regular physical exercises to in, at every level, not to allow or encourage tamas and fatigue, uh, right kind of diet, regularity, discipline. They are small simple things which help in that journey. And that is why the last, uh, which may, be, may or may not be a question, because people ask, all this is fine, why do you use medication? <laughs> because uh, there are gates in matter through which they enter. We call them synapses. What are synapses? They are gaps between neurons. Through the synapses, the divine grace can enter. That also Shubhindo says. Gaps. Wherever there is a gap, wherever there is a blank, somebody will fill it for you. That's why the importance of making choices. I shared this experience sometime that, you know, when I once uh, a friend took me to Taj in Mumbai and arranged a nice party with all the family. I was the only fellow and asked me, what do you want to eat? A characteristic way, I said, no, no, whatever you decide. And he decided something which I just can't take and that was Chinese food. Now, I had not made my choice, so somebody made my cho choice for me. And it reminded me in future, make your choices. Don't, don't, you know, whether it's, <laughs> don't. Of course, I knew it, but I, I mean, it's such an innocuous thing. Uh, but then Divine Grace has, because at that moment he uh, called Chomdi, many of us may, may be knowing, and he said, you know, we are sitting with Alokda and uh, say, ah, uh, so what have you ordered for him? And he mentioned Chinese. Alokda doesn't like Chinese. So he asked me about, I said, no, 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 it's okay, don't worry. I, this is an opportunity to overcome my likes and dislikes and maybe uh, to practice Samta. Time to time we get courses in Samta. Often life throws up challenges. So it's like, crash course 
fresher scores. In medicine, we have those courses. So it is like continuing education. In the beginning, we have to do a proper course in Samta. Then we are given a certificate, BA or MA. But time to time, there is a repeat course. So somebody will suddenly insult us. Somebody will say something. And we have to see where is the ego getting hurt. All these things, where we turn upon ourselves, they block us from the divine grace and open the doors to these forces. Whereas everything that opens us to the divine, the grace and the divine love, light, peace, ananda, uh, takes care of these forces and they go miles away from that state. So we'll stop here. We have about 15-20 minutes, half an hour and we can have questions.